The views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of KUCI, its management, the California Board of Regents, or Enrique Valencia, or teachers opening up classrooms this month. Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the September 15, 2020 edition of Ask a Leader Becomes Ask a Neighbor. As many states have already sent out vote-by-mail ballots, this week I begin my coverage of the 2020 general elections. On this show, we'll start with Irvine Ranch Water District Board candidate and water quality scientist, Dr. Karen McLaughlin, and running for re-election to the board is Mary Eileen Matthijs. They are running for the same seat on the board in a nonpartisan race in the general election this November 3rd. Once again, a reminder to send me your questions as I announce each week who the upcoming guests will be on the show. Emails cshambotkuci.org or send me a tweet at clshambot. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. My guest in this segment is Dr. Karen McLaughlin. She's a senior scientist at the Southern California Coastal Water Research Project, working toward the implementation of the Southern California BITE Regional Marine Monitoring Program. Her expertise is in source tracking and in the biogeochemical cycling in streams, estuaries, and coastal waters. Her current research focus is the vulnerability of coastal marine systems to multiple anthropogenic stressors, that's us folks, and the means for assessing water and sediment quality in Southern California. Her research also includes understanding factors and processes controlling nearshore ocean acidification and hypoxia and understanding ecosystem response to the anthropogenic nutrient loading that is also what we dump in our commodes and our yards folks a 14-year resident of irvine karen mclaughlin earned her bachelor's degree in geosciences from penn state university her phd in geological and environmental sciences from stanford university and worked as a researcher at uc irvine she comes to us today from irvine welcome to Ask a Leader, Karen McLaughlin. Thank you, Claudia. I'm happy to be here. So this is a first that you are running in the Irvine Ranch Water District Division 4. It's the first time there are specific divisions where special district voting now instead of at-large elections. So uh, the university and nearby University Hills has the IRWD's Division 4 on our ballot, but we're not really, we're not right in the map of the Division 4 though, correct? Um, I'm not actually sure that it's on yours. I'm, my division entails my neighborhood of Woodbridge, uh, West Park, uh, parts of Culverdale and into a little bit of Santa Ana and uh, Tustin. 
Okay. So, and, and listeners are certainly from communities there, but I, sometimes my listeners tend to uh, skew toward the immediate area around the radio station broadcasting at UC Irvine campus. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, my shorthand is that's bounded by highways uh, uh, 55, I-5, 405, and Jeffrey Road. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so let's talk about your candidacy there's offshore kinds of research, but it certainly overlaps with the onshore inputs. What, what is it that compels you to become a member of the board of the Irvine Ranch Water District and running as a candidate this year? Well, I've always wanted to make a difference in my community. So when I, when I first decided to run as a, or when I first decided to study geological sciences, it seemed like a good fit for my personality. I, I, am, I have an aptitude for science and math, and I wanted to make the world a better place, and I was learning at the time about all these environmental issues, and I felt like they needed every single body they could possibly get. So that's why I decided to major in environmental science and focus specifically on water because it's such a valuable resource. It's got huge interactions between the natural environment and the human environment. So I thought that's where I could actually make a good difference. And working at the Southern California Coastal Water Research Project, where I'm currently employed, I've been help working with both people who discharge as well as regulate those discharges to get the science that they need to make better decisions. So that's where I sort of had this epiphany that I wanted to help design the policy around water resource management. So that's when I was asked by a friend of mine if I'd be interested in running for Irvine Ranch Water District for Board of Directors because I live in this division, I jumped at the chance because I thought this is my, this is the way I can really give back to my community using the skills that I've developed over my life, lifetime. Well, as there are many projects that the Poseidon will talk about in greater detail, but I can say as a consumer of public hearings, it certainly is reassuring when we can see the science being used to look at mitigation of huge investment projects and uh, big, big decisions. I mean, the, I don't think the public really understands fully how large the levers are that water districts pull. And then as we get up to the whole regional governing bodies and that kind of thing. So uh, it, it, the science is, a, it is a, it gives a different feel to watch those hearings where it's a kind of an intellectually honest exercise, to be totally honest. So uh, your campaign uh, points out that California is not, as I'm, I'm quoting you now, is not doing enough to prepare for the additional stress that climate change will put on our infrastructure. Could you talk, Karen McLaughlin, about the choices, the directions that you would contemplate for long-term investments in infrastructure at Irvine Ranch Water District? Sure, sure. So I think this is probably one of the single most important issues for water in Southern California, it's climate change. We are gonna be in faced with increasing drought conditions. And while our rainfall is not necessarily gonna change in amount, it's gonna change in frequency and intensity. So it's gonna be harder to capture those stormwater events in our groundwater reservoirs. 
Furthermore, we're actually pulling more water from the ground than is being recharged. So that limited resource of groundwater that particularly IRWD relies on, about 60% of the water for IRWD comes from groundwater, it's not being replenished at the rate it needs to be in order to be sustainable over the long term. Now, this isn't an immediate concern. Our, our water supplies will probably last well into 2040, but that's only 20 years. So I think we actually need to be doing a little bit more to be recharging those groundwater supplies and then trying to think about what is the best, most cost-effective and environmentally sensitive way to import water into our area. Because right now we're getting a, about 40 to 50% of our water from imported resources from the Colorado or the California Water Project. So I feel like this is something that we need to be thinking about. And one of the things that we can do relatively easily in our local communities is conservation practices. Um, we can increase native landscaping. We can try to, try to provide incentives for local agencies to take out turf grass where it's not needed, like in you know, medians and the freeway and that sort of thing. Um, but there's also ways that we can actually use our wastewater to recycle it to drinking water quality standards. And, and the Orange County Sanitation District is working with Orange County Water District on just such a project. So they can be a nice partner to IRWD and trying to implement similar practices here. Just ways to, to use the most of our local resources so that we don't waste that much water and, and try to protect that resource into the future so that it lasts beyond 20, 2040. So about, what about the capture of those, the rainwater in those huge events? What do you envision, if I, I'm not sure where in the IRWD budget there is that capital improvement for rain stormwater capture, where, what is your plan? They don't, so RWD does not have any purview over stormwater management. This would be a partnership that IRWD would need to develop with Irvine Public, or not Irvine, Orange County Public Works, who deals with stormwater. Right now, okay. stormwater is discharged. It's, our streams are so highly modified that they are designed to take stormwater to the ocean as quickly as possible. And I think there are opportunities to try to change that into the future. And this would be a long-term planning strategy where we would have to work together with multiple agencies to redesign how those streams are, are, are modified so that they can actually help to recharge some of the groundwater systems through different stormwater capturing. And I think IRWD is sort of starting down this pathway. They use the San Joaquin Marsh. Mm -hmm. they've, got some, they've got some other wetland development uh, practices throughout their district. So I think they're in a prime position to actually be able to develop some of this stuff further. Well, was LA County's proposition, I believe it was last November to, or was it or 20, no, it was last November, I think, or 2018, I have to recall that now, where there was a, a stormwater parcel assessment, it was approved by the county. And the idea was for not for the disincentive of non-pervious, impervious surfaces so that the storm water would be captured, not run off, and that would be a part of the recharging approach. Is that, is that a model that you think in your sort of intergovernmental work you would contemplate with the Orange County Public Works and Irvine Ranch Water District? 
Yes, I feel like if we could partner with the cities, the local municipalities to try to implement some of those recharging strategies, impervious pavement has certainly increased in efficiency and development over the past few years. We can work with scientists on piloting these projects. We don't have to implement them full scale. We can start some pro pilot projects to see what works and what doesn't, what's most cost effective, what's, what's most environmentally sensitive. There's a number of things we can try that we just haven't had the ability or the will to try yet. And not to put too fine a point on it, but the, but the AstroTurf is also an impervious surface. And I don't know what the IRWD's policy is about using that as a revegetating so-called of residential uh, lands. Yeah, I'm, I don't really know much about that. And I know that there are different types of artificial turf grass. Some are impervious, some are not. Oh, so I okay. think that there okay. are different, different strategies we can take on that as well. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Dr. Karen McLaughlin, Senior Scientist at the Southern California Coastal Water Research Project. She is a candidate on the general election ballot for the Division Four seat at the Irvine Ranch Water District Board of Directors, this being the first time that the Board of Directors are running within particular districts. Well, we're talking about the conservation being one portion of how water, the water budget can be increased. And so how would, how do you want to respond to how you would engage with the sort of social behavioral component of increasing what, how Irvine Ranch Water District consumers, ratepayers were, how they performed when the drought was intense and continuing with that sort of community-minded uh, sensibility to deepen the conservation effort? Well, for what it's worth, I think that consumers have been increasingly aware of conservation practices and they are adopting lower flow toilets, they're adopting lower flow faucets and, and you know, shower heads. All that sort of thing. The, the big problem is landscaping. And I feel like this is where we have an opportunity to reach out to the communities to educate. And, and for what it's worth, IRWD does some of this stuff, but I feel like there could be additional incentives to try okay. to help people with their local landscaping, which would help a little bit. But I think the biggest thing are more public spaces. We have to get rid of tropical plants. They just don't belong here. Um, we have a lot of native, drought-tolerant, beautiful vegetation that could be implemented in its place that would be much more water-wise. And I, I think the cities are moving this way, but I feel like if they had additional incentives and additional guidance on how this could be implemented, we could move a lot farther. Because I think those vegetated landscapes draw a lot of our water supply. And, and for residential properties, it's drinking water that we're using to irrigate our lawns. Whereas for some of the public spaces, they're using the purple pipe right. water. So I think there's a lot more water conservation that we could be doing in our local communities if we could just get the message out there. So I would like to see, you know, some more community events, education at the schools, because I feel like children can be an excellent advocate for their community and their future. And then, you know, there's a lot of community interest in environmental issues. So having public lectures, having public webinars, and public availability or public information available to to make those landscape changes could really help. I'm mostly concerned with development and how the water certificates are provided 
to developers because I feel like we have a lot of development happening and I'm not sure that the implications on the water supply are fully evaluated in delivering those certificates. So that's my main concern and one of the primary reasons I'm running. So that's something that bothers me. I think that we're not necessarily thinking about sustainability and you know now that we finally understand that you know our energy uses and our, our home developments and our water usage is tied to our numbers, this is something that we need to be thinking about when we grant water certificates into the future. So a hypothetical or not so much is when there is a very dense new, uh, whether it's an office building or a, a residential a complex in, let's just say expressly district four. So that, that would be a new water certificate issued for a brand new development order for a, a much denser use of land, right? That's true, but actually, if you look at the numbers, the water usage is much more, is increased for single family homes. So it's back to the landscaping. Things, yeah, things with yards tend to have greater okay. water use. Okay. So Very more, more I'm thinking about the development around the Great Park, right? Like those are single family units, they're expensive, they're going to be water intensive. And you also bring up environmental justice on your campaign website. How does this relate to human right to water and how will you deal with the end of COVID-19 imposed moratoriums on shutoffs and late fees when they become due all at once, possibly in uh, January of 2021? Yeah, so I feel like this is something that we need to I'm not sure I'm completely understanding your question, but I think the heart of it is trying to make sure that when we have water supply issues that everyone in the community has access to those waters. So it's a basic human right. So we need to develop programs that can help offset costs for people so that they don't become an undue burden when the water or when bills come due if they are, have they been delayed because of COVID. And I think that there's a bunch of programs that we could implement to try to protect those communities so that they don't unduly suffer. Okay, and, and so there, there may be community-based organizations that you're aware of that could work with the Irvine Ranch Water District to uh, lower those bills through conservation programs? Yes, I think for sure we could work with local agencies or, and local um, uh, NGO-type organizations to try to help those communities specifically, but I think that the Irvine Ranch could probably do its part in helping, you know, payment plans and, and other types of strategy to help those communities through a tough time. Okay. So let's talk now about the capital improvements. There's an array of options. And the one that's sort of on the front burner right now in Orange County is the Poseidon desalination project in Huntington Beach. Now, the Irvine Ranch Water District supports investigation of cost-effective alternative supplies of water, but the, apparently the board did not support the Poseidon project due to the lack of sufficient consumers to support a project of that scale. What is your position on the Poseidon desalination plant? I think desalinization is incredibly energy intensive to get fresh water. I think that there, but you know, that said, importing water is also energy intensive. We're trying to bring water from Northern California to Southern California and the water fix program 
that's being implemented in the Bay Delta that will deliver water to Southern California is also quite expensive. So what I would like to see would be a cost benefit analysis on, on how those two sources of water, what is their relative energy use? What is their relative cost to consumers? And what is their relative environmental impact? Because they each have pros and cons and there are clear trade-offs. And I think that the community as a whole needs to sit down and understand what the options are, how they are different, and what their strengths and weaknesses are. This is not something that one person or one board or Poseidon or any one entity should decide. This is something that we need to decide as a community and as, you know, as Southern California in altogether. How do we want to deal with our water crisis? What are the options? What are the science? What does the science tell us about those options in terms of cost and, and environmental impact and all of those things so that we, we have a clear idea of what our choices are and how to make those. And I feel like that's one of the strengths that I bring because this is something I do all the time. I look at strengths and weaknesses of different of the science to understand what the impacts are. And there's there's an economic a financial piece to that too. I'm not I, I'm not sure I heard that in the answer. So I, when I heard the public hearings before the Orange County Water Agency reviewing the Poseidon application, we are taping this on September 11th, 2020, and there is a vote planned 30, 40 days from this taping for the uh, approval of the, the Poseidon application before the Orange County Water Board there. And there is going to be a meeting of the California Coastal Commission September 17th with the Poseidon application. So I, they, in those hearings though that I was talking about, there was the concern that are there a sufficient number of customers that would keep that project viable, even if, even barring the energy intensity, uh, barring the mitigation efforts of the offshore where all this, the, the, uh, mi the minerals are going to be dumped back in the ocean, that are you convinced there are enough ratepayers that could support that large of a project? I think it's all, like you say, it's all going to come down to cost. Right now, the cost of the desalinization water is about five times the cost of groundwater and at least twice imported water. So I would imagine that that is not favorable to most ratepayers, that they're not willing to support something that would cost that much more. The question is over time. And what the Poseidon plant is trying to advocate is that over time, the cost of imported water will increase. And so the cost of desalinization water will look similar. So I think if you're looking at it from a purely economic standpoint, it's not clear yet that the, either the desalinization plant can deliver the water in the quantities that it says at the price it says, or that the economics will ever work out in the long time. Will imported water ever be more expensive than desalinized water? So I, I'm not convinced on either of those two fronts that the desalinization plant is a good idea, strictly from whether or not they can actually deliver the water that they promise and at the price that they promise and that it won't be much more expensive. Okay, so to that point of, of infrastructure, my listeners know that 
I've been trying to raise literacy about closed loop solutions. That means that includes distributed water projects. How much, Karen McLaughlin, have you investigated? Would you be interested in expanding a pilot and implementation of those closed loop water treatment projects in Irvine Ranch Water District's jurisdiction? Uh, can you be a little more specific about well there is the there's distributed water it's like the dis distributed energy it can be done in a closed loop that it can water can be purified on a very small sort of per parcel basis the per uh, company or per manufacturer where there you get a purified water product that is remains on the site. It, there is no discharge of any kind of effluent. It's reused in a closed loop. And I don't know what is your background and what is your interest in exploring that kind of capital investment. I think that would go into, if I'm reading you correctly, it would go into something similar to what Orange County Sanitation is working with Orange County Water District on. So they're taking the wastewater from the water treatment plant at nearly, I think they're, go, they're targeting about 90% of the wastewater being treated to drinking water quality standards. So that's putting it through a reverse osmosis system and, and you basically have drinkable water on the outside and then you can use that water to recharge local groundwater supplies. I am highly in favor of this. And I think that having our partner agency like right across the freeway there right. <laughs> with, with the Orange County group. Um, I think we have a wonderful partnership that we could actually try to work with them to develop that here in Irvine Ranch Water District to protect the water that we already have and make sure that um, we can use as much of that as possible. So yes, I'm definitely in favor of something on that scale. Well, it, there, there's really a lot of very interesting kind of engineering that I've brought to the program in prior prior years actually. And so I don't hear closed loop entering into enough policy discussions and uh, obviously and also in, in science research discussions. So I'll, I'll just do my part in trying to keep advancing that because it's a it's very less capital intensive of an investment, the closed loop water treatment solutions. Well, I wanted to give you, as we draw down our time together, how are you, Karen McLaughlin, promoting down-ballot voting where all, all your important offices are residing? What's, what's, gonna be, what's your secret in getting people eyes down here on the ballot? Yeah, it's, it's a challenge, especially right now because of the COVID-19. It's, it's sort of, I don't wanna go around knocking on doors, but we're trying to get the word out through town hall type meetings, working with other people down ballot of the city council representatives, talking to each other, working with some other grassroots efforts to try to get the word out to our local communities. But yeah, this is a, a definitely a weird, weird election year for sure, just because of the pandemic. So can you want to give us any details about your next town hall listeners can attend? Um, so my next event is with another woman who's running for a water district in Santa Ana. We're going to be talking about the um, how to read your water quality table. And I will probably try to do one for this district as well. So trying to get um, local residents more interested or more 
more capable at, at looking at the information that they're getting from the water district and understanding what that means for their drinking water supply. So no date yet set? It is the 19th at, a, at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. That's on a, that's a Saturday. Saturday morning, yeah. Okay, good. I'll, I'll put with, that in. With in Kathy, Kathy Armitage. Okay, very good. Well, I want to thank you for giving us a window on a really important, not enough examined world at the water district level. Thank you, Dr. Karen McLaughlin, for being on Ask a Leader today. Thank you, Claudia. I was, I was happy to be here. My guest was Dr. Karen McLaughlin, senior scientist at the Southern California Coastal Water Research Project. She's candidate on the general election ballot for the Division Four seat at the Irvine Ranch Water District Board of Directors. This is the first time the Board of Directors are running within districts. We'll be right back after a station break with Irvine Ranch Water District Board President Mary Eileen Mathias, who is also a candidate running for the Division Four seat of the Irvine Ranch Water District. Don't go away. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My next guest is Irvine Ranch Water District Board President, Mary Eileen Mathias, who has served on the Irvine Ranch Water District Board of Directors since 1988. This year is her fourth term as president of the board. She currently serves on the Engineering and Operations, Water Resources Policy and Communications Committees, and on the Legal Affairs Committee of the Association of California Water Agencies. Mary Eileen Mathias has also represented the district on the Southern California Water Committee and on the board of the Urban Water Institute and the Water Education Foundation. She is a founder member of the board of the San Joaquin Wildlife Sanctuary and president of the Shade Tree Partnership. A practicing lawyer, Mary Eileen Mathias, is a member of the Orange County Bar Association and is a member of the Orange County Association of Realtors. She serves on the Assessment Appeals Board of Orange County and a longtime resident of Irvine, Mary Ann Mathias, earned her bachelor's degree from Russell Sage College in New York her master's in communication from State University of New York, and her Juris Doctor at the Western State University College of Law. She comes to us today from Irvine. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Board Director Matthias. Well, I'm very pleased to be here and to chat with you for a while. Thank you so much. So your board created specific districts for board candidates to run in. Could you just briefly tell us what the impetus of that was. Actually, we, we have been running in the water district, the Irvine Ranch Water District for the whole district, which is a, amounts to about uh, 150 to voters. The, uh, we were sued uh, by an attorney in uh, Los Angeles County, not, uh, yeah, Los Angeles County up in Beverly Hills, because he believed that we did not have enough diversity on the board. And so we complied with his request that we should uh, go into district, 
to give more people an opportunity to run for the district and to bring in more diversity. And so this is the first year we're into this program. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's a little different. Uh, and we have a much less uh, amount of voters to con contact. However, it, uh, it, it is always a challenge and it's always interesting. And so we're, that's what we're doing this year. So on, I'll ask later about sort of, that'll be my wrap up about, you know, getting people to vote down ballot, which is, it's a refrain I use, not just on this radio show every single week, but I, I bring it into every single conversation, all of them. I'm, I, I do not jest about that. So, and I've already given sort of the boundary of the division four. So it, I don't believe it includes where many of my listeners come from university Hills and the, University of California, Irvine campus, it is north of us, but, uh, but adjacent to us, correct? You're, well, yes, uh, this district is north of the 405 and it stretches from Jeffrey Road to the 55 freeway and north to uh, Irvine Center Drive. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with it. However, it is a, it's new, it's new to me and it's kind of interesting to see how it will work out. So where are all our water? It's coming from some local aquifers and it's imported from some uh, aquifers in the San Joaquin Valley. Your campaign's website, you mentioned Irvine Ranch Water District having developed water banks in Kern County. And Director Matthias, I understand from news this week that a source of Irvine Ranch Water District's imported groundwater in Kern County aquifer uh, where the water's banked, has trichloropropane, a carcinogenic leftover from a pesticide that was liberally used in the 1950s to the 1980s. What is the board considering dealing with that factor and a workaround for a, a safe water supply for the residents of the, of the right. district? Well, let me answer it this way. The, uh, we have just learned uh, of the contamination up in Kern County. And the reason we have, uh, we are not currently using that water for the potable water in Orange County. It, it, we we uh, purchased the land up there because it was available and because it had a connection to the Northern uh, water supply and it would be available. We only take the surplus water and we store it in our uh, aquifers in Kern County. And before it would ever come down to Orange County, Obviously, it would be treated, or it would be treated when it arrived here. We have uh, we've been using water at the aquifer under Orange County for most of our uh, most of our life over the district's in inception, and we also have water from Palo Verde County down in Palo Verdes. We have where we have another water bank. So that water up in Kern County is up there until. There is a need for it, and at the time when we need it, uh, it would be purified and would not contaminate the water down here. This is something that just recently came yes. to our attention. And so consequently, the program has not been developed as to how it would be done. But we are innovative, and we have handled issues such as this before, and we will certainly address the issue when the need arises that we have to bring it down here. 
So it does, it calls up sort of water availability and, and cost to, to rate payers. So there's, there's a lot in the night. I appreciate that it is really almost breaking. It's not quite, it was like three or four days. We're recording this interview on September 11th of 2020 in case there are breaking news between now and the broadcast on Tuesday. So I just actually learned that the Irvine Ranch Water District is the ninth largest water district in California. Could you... Uh, Director Matthias, talk about the budget for our listeners to appreciate this. I mean, what's the sort of the overall amount of capital operating, the amounts of money you're working with? Well, it's a substantial amount of money because we have a substantial area. We are one of the largest water districts in uh, Southern California. We were started by the Irvine Company way back in the 1840. I mean, uh, the district was formed in the 60s by the Irvine Company. And we had, so essentially what we had at the initiation was the Irvine lands. But uh, we have acquired, uh, joined other districts or they joined us. And so now we have about 110 to 120,000 ratepayers, And we are, uh, the cost is obviously in the, the, uh, the billions but we do have a substantial budget and we're working this year on a two-year budget, which apparently is something that uh, entities, business entities are, are going to, they project two years ahead instead of only one year ahead. We've been able to meet the budget requirements without a, any substantial increase to the, um, to the rate payers. Obviously, there, there is a re, the district uh, charges for water do, do, do rise. We do it with a very sensitive to the uh, the ratepayers, and as a, as uh, you probably have heard, we have instituted way back in the '90s a tiered rate structure, which ha has done two things. One, it has kept the price of water down for those who are sensitive to water use, and it has made draw, drawn attention to those who are uh, who overuse water because the more water used, the more you pay. And it's not a flat rate structure. It has been very successful for two reasons. One, because it has managed, we've been able to manage it and keep the price within a, a, a family budget. And secondly, because it encourages the rate payers and the customers to be careful in their use of water and not to be overusing it. And I've covered a little bit about that because it is a, it, it, it was a, a, an answer to the moment of the drought. And, I, and I'd like to talk about the ratepayers now in the, the age of COVID, what is IRWD doing to address where the COVID imposed moratoriums on shutoffs on, and late fees and when they become due it all at once, is IRWD going to be- it is a concern, but it's a budgetary concern, but it's also a customer concern. We, we are under a mandate, and so we would not be shutting off water. That's the state mandate, and we understand the difficulties. We have contacted, our customer service has contacted all the people who are delinquent or behind in their payments and tried to encourage them to set up some sort of a program, but the, we will... Obviously, uh, eventually that water has to be paid for. And we do scheduling to allow the customer 
to set it into its budget. And that is, it's working quite well uh, as far as we, we would never shut off a person's water supply unless it became to the point where the customer was just ignoring the issues and not responding to service. That actually at this time, because of COVID-19, we do not shut off any, anyone's water supply. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Irvine Ranch Water District Board President, Mary Eileen Mathias, running for re-election as a candidate on the general election ballot, this time for the Division Four seat at the Irvine Ranch Water District Board Directors, this being the first time that board directors are running within districts, and water district board elections are nonpartisan. So let's talk about the big policy picture. What leadership you've been offering, where you want to take it to a deal with the additional stressors that climate change is putting on our water infrastructure. What are some sorts of big plans, visions that you yourself would love to carry out? Well, the first place, we use a great deal of recycled water. We started recycling water in the middle 60s, and as it has become a more of an important supply. So it is, it is one of our major water supplies. And we have been able to introduce uh, the recycled water into high-rise buildings, into, uh, in, for UCI, we actually assisted UCI in using U, their, uh, for their water, their chiller system, their chilling systems. Mm-hmm. We, are, uh, have, we help them, you know, set their supply up so that they could use recycled water rather than potable water. And that has been very successful and has saved the university a tremendous amount of money. Other, uh, as, as to what else we are doing, we are, we are continue to monitor our, all our customers. We give them great incentives to reduce the cost of water and, uh, the, and assure them that we have been following the, uh, the COVID situation and we, have a, we are taking care of all our customers. We have, um, as I think you are, if you would refer to it, we, are, we monitor and take samples of our water supply uh, in a period, in periodically. We have a, a, a very, a certified laboratory and have had a certified laboratory on our staff. They monitor wells and they take, do samples all, all, all the week, every week, actually. And are, you know, so that we are assured that, that COVID-19 is not contained in any of the water wells. Okay. And so I'm going to ask, it's, my listeners know that I have in the sort of the tools that are available to water managers, board members, leaders, that there are also the, the, sort of the distributed water that is the closed loop solution toward reducing water consumption and energy consumption in a sort of similar engineering package. And I don't know what your opinion is about considering distributed water, closed loop solutions that were the, that very, very specific reverse osmosis product that allows for 
almost no discharge, that the loop is closed, that the consumer, whether it's the residential or the manufacturing level, that they contain that water and reuse it on site. What are your thoughts about that, Director Matthias? I think if that system could be effectively used, it would be a very fortunate thing. I do not believe that we are doing a, a closed system right now. No, we have, not yet. Uh, no, but uh, and we move forward in a very scientific and a very special way. We, on our staff, we have certified scientists. We have cert certified water planners. We have uh, a, a Fiona Sanchez, who is the director of, 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 of water resources, that knows that uh, has been very instrumental in working with the legislature to give the water districts of Southern California the opportunity to innovate and ad address issues and, and, and able to contain whatever contaminants there are in the system. I'm, I believe that IRWD is probably the finest water agency I think all water agencies are good in California. I, I should make that statement. I believe they all are effective and uh, they're all good. But we've been leaders. We've here, we were here before a lot of them. Actually, we were here before Orange County Water District. Okay. So I do think that we're in a position to monitor what we do. We move uh, as quickly as is appropriate to introduce new systems and to make sure that the water quality is safe we make sure that we have a reliable supply of water. And we have been doing this very successfully. And one of the reasons it's successful is because we have an excellent staff. We're very proud of our staff at IRWD. They do a, an excellent job. They are part of the, many of them are part of the community and they understand the issues that are before them. So we've been very fortunate to have a very strong and knowledgeable general manager. The, uh, among the board members themselves, they are very capable and we have a, they are, understand the, the water situation. They're active actually in the water community, the whole state, the state community. They serve in the current, the current president of the State Association of California is one of our board members, Steve Lamar, who is very active in the community and you are fortunate, we're very proud, as a matter of fact, that he has been chosen to be the president of the California, State of California Water Association. So I'd like to pivot a little bit to the main, the, like the big project under consideration now before the Orange County Water Board, the Poseidon desalination project that before the water board's vote will be taking place 30 to 40 days from now, the, the California Coastal Commission will be hearing the application September 17th. But I'd like to know, uh, now the, your board did not approve the project based on what I understand were the boron loads in the processing. What kind of leadership do you want to exert in what becomes of the Poseidon application? What is your position? Uh, the the position of the board is that a ocean desalination is a supply in the future. Currently, Orange County Water District has a, a, a sufficient supply of water locally here and through Metropolitan and through our other 
uh, our wells that we have established in Palos Verdes and again in Kern County. And our reason we are we believe that that there is a there is a place for desalinization. We have not favored it at this time because it will substantially increase the cost to the ratepayers. It a the it is about I'm I'm not going to get the exact figures, but I know it's substantially more than what we're paying for imported water now, and we uh, so we have not favored it. But it isn't that we don't believe that desal is a position, and we have a good relationship with Poseidon, and they understand our position. If it was possible to for them to serve uh, the uh, western part of uh, of the county and we were not required to take the water and we could continue using other sources of water our own sources and from and sources from metropolitan we might have a different look at it but we don't want to increase the cost it would double or triple the cost of water for our ratepayers and that's why we haven't favored it we're very concerned about especially those in distressed areas and even today people are still they can they consider their what they see the water bill going up and it has been rising not because of anything that we've had we we are introducing but there it is rising because the cost from importing the water the cost of the uh, uh, eliminating the contaminants the cost of ensuring that everybody has sufficient supply or in, increase the cost of water so while ocean diesel is for those who need it, that's fine. But we do not want to impose additional costs on our ratepayers that will not favor us and will favor other communities. And I, I guess I want to mention too, though, there is a huge energy footprint which concerns a lot of community members in face of the climate change, which the climate change is sort of the, it's, it's happening in catastrophic proportion right now throughout the up and down the West Coast, not just California. So uh, I don't know if that, that factors into your thinking, the huge energy consumption in the desalination we are very, process. Very, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, we are very conscious of energy consumption. In fact, we were the, one of the first agency in Orange County to, to go into agreement with energy companies so that we have energy storage based on our land. We have, we initiated it, I think it was four or five years ago. We have a contract with a very substantial company and we are able to store energy in uh, the, uh, they're actually, they're called, uh, they're the same as the car, anyway. That, uh, so it's a very, we are not oblivious to the cost of water. We're not oblivious to the cost of energy. And we know you can't have water without energy and you can't have energy without water. So we are monitoring it. We are moving in a very specific pattern and we are very concerned about not jumping on a, a, jumping on a wagon that's gonna take us off in the, into the wind. So as a, the final question I'd like to ask, as I alluded to in the beginning of this interview, Director Matthias is how are you going to be and are currently promoting the down ballot voting that gets eyeballs over here where districts, 
district boards, school, uh, everything down bell. How are you going to be promoting that in this all important 2020 general election? That has been a concern of mine all these years I've been on the water agency. Uh, the down ballot, it's a very important thing, but yes. all the publicity, all the ideas that come into, uh, uh, you know, are, are the, up the, the we, and I always end up running in a general election. So I have the, you have the president, the vice president, you know, all Congress people, all Senate people, and then you have all the, the city mayors, you have the school district and the board of uh, the board of education you absolutely every every I, every entity is on the ballot and and our, we we simply have to do it by name recognition and place in the community i have been in the community for a long time since 1971 mm -hmm. and i've been in i've been in, involved in the the civic life since 1971 i know personally I've known all personally all the city uh, mayors, all the city uh, council people, uh, and it's it's a professional on a professional basis. And I know the ones I know the people who have served. So I know the community, and and I just I, you really have to, to have name identification. And I believe that uh, the more you can get your name out there, the more you uh, the more you can encourage people and that's part of my message when i talk to voters you know please go down to the bottom of the ballot do the whole ballot and it is difficult i mean and mostly for you know i guess i should say mostly for seniors because people get you know they start checking things and going down and but it is important that the the down ballot is closest to the people and they know that and i i'd like would like to say that i think most of the voters know that if they have an issue, you can find my name any place. You can find it, you know, my name and phone number and my email address. I have all that on my business card. And if they have an issue and they call me, I address it. And I try to make sure that all my customers, all, my, all the people in my community get a response, an immediate response from the water district. And I follow up on it. I go back to my, my staff and I ask, you know, have you taken care of this person? Have you found the issue with this person? And I and they can call me on the phone. They can call. They can. They uh, have the ability to email me. It's on my email. It's on my, every card. And if they need to talk to me, I'm available to talk to them. I just try to get them to understand that the down ballot is the one that's closest to the voter. They're the one. They're the people. The people on the board of education. The people on the school boards. If, you know, it, the people in the city council, oh, and it, it's, it, it is a hard issue, but you just have to keep at it and hope that your voters will recognize it. Or, or, and then just in talking to the public, you just ask them, please keep going down the ballot. I know it's a long ballot, but we want, we, it's important that you express your interest in water. And of course, in the last, uh, I would say the last 10 years, water has become an issue. Mostly people, you know, as long as the faucet was running and, and, the, and the, water, the water was clean and pure and safe, they, you know, they're happy. But water is such a, it's a fountain of life. And it's, the, it's one of the closest to the people. And that's why we, we, that's what all our board members have, doing, have been doing. And that's what our customer service is doing. I don't let issues drop. 
I make sure that people are responded to in a uh, in a prompt and a satisfying manner. And if I if there's something wrong, I address it with my staff. So I do think that down ballot pe people who are interested in the water district and who acknowledge that they know nothing about it or they know little about it, but they do know that they want it safe and they want it plentiful. And they, they also know, and I, thought, I think our policies have been really instrumental in a, making people recognize that they have to conserve. We did splendidly in the last several years when during the drought mm. and the upcoming drought, we'll probably do the same. It, they, reduced their, they reduced their use of water by some as much as 75%. So our message is getting out and that's what makes me satisfied that the water district is doing the job it's supposed to do. Well, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time, Board Director Mary Eileen Matias for being on Ask a Leader today. Well, I appreciate being on and I, I hope I've answered some, some of your questions. Oh. and uh, that you understand that I believe that water in California, water in Orange County is truly safe. I believe that not only IRWD, but all the agencies, including Orange County Water District, Santa Margarita Water District, Huntington Beach, all these places have really good people running them, good staff, and they do make us very successful efforts and that are to satisfy the customer with a reliable supply of water. And that's the main Thank issue. Thank you so much. My guest was Irvine Ranch Water District Board President Mary Eileen Mathias. She is running for re-election as a candidate on the general election ballot, this time in the Division Four seat for the Board of Directors. This being the first time that the Board of Directors are running within districts. Again, Water District Board elections are nonpartisan. Well, that was my wrap. Next week, we'll be hitting the elections even harder with Orange County Registrar of Voters Neil Kelly and the GOP candidate for the 45th District Congressional Candidate and Mission Viejo Councilman Greg Ratz. Next on these airwaves is SoCal Nueva with the Italo Connection. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Shoppers, walkers, and residents all, keep masking.